Boom. Fuck we're it. Back. We'll do it live. WNBC. All right. We're back for another episode of Hard Out, my favorite movie. We are here this time with Nick Clements. He is a script consultant, producer, film critic, writer for Variety, and probably the biggest film nerd I know online. <laughs> I say that as a compliment, of course. Like You watch at least a movie a day, it seems like, right? At least, if not if not two, now that we've been home with the little guy for so long, and um, you know we have a, a five year old son, so he's uh, definitely been enjoying his movie a day as well. But yeah, definitely gotta gotta do a movie a day. Yeah, you do a movie a day with him, right? That's we've been great. trying. We've we've been pretty consistent too. We're 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 we've been pretty good. So, so yeah, we've been today. We've been watching a we've been watching a movie a day since uh, you know since March since you know we pulled him out of the you know um you know the preschool there for covid and stuff uh-huh. oh i should so, say this feature oh god just yeah. curious what's today's feature yeah um that's a that's a great question uh i'm gonna watch out of bounds tonight um but when he he's actually at his uh grandparents right now so um what we'll watch when we come home uh that'll be up to him he'll he'll, he'll get the choice today my guess is that it'll probably be a star wars movie but uh, we might not have enough time to do that today, so uh, we might have to go with something shorter. Uh, oh, I've been—I just got the Blu-ray. Um, yesterday was Star Wars. Yesterday was um, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> so we needed to see that for the fortieth time over the last, uh, you know, eight months. <laughs> Painful so, of all yeah, the ones so, to see that many times. Uh-huh. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, we got a. I got a. I got a five-year-old who got bit by the Star Wars bug and uh, has not looked back at all, and has seen every single Star Wars movie and all of the Lego programming and Mandalorian and everything in between. So the Ewok adventures. So uh, we're, we're definitely off too, and running. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was crestfallen uh, today when I told him that this coming Friday was the finale for the season. Uh, so he was. Yeah, it's the finale this Friday, and then uh, I guess it's season three is supposed to come out next Christmas. So I need to have your wife. Wow. I need to have your wife talk to my wife because she's still nerfing our kid a bit. He's seven. And I'm like, dude, I did. We watched Raiders and shit, but I mean, <laughs> my I, don't, I don't know if she Eric, would let Gremlins go yet, which I know you watched recently. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did. We've Erica has. Uh, I, she's she's amazing. She she my wife puts up with a lot of stuff. Uh, but she knows that it's it's uh, it's useless to to get in the middle of movie madness with the little kid. I think, uh, and, and we have uh, we we have a kid too who's so far uh, to his credit, uh, you know, points out, oh, well, it's just a movie, so it's fake. Right. Um, so you know, at least we're there. But yeah, we just watched Raiders, and that was exciting. He really enjoyed that. You know, when the faces were melting at the end, he was quick to point out to me that uh, that's not real, Dad. Those guys aren't melting. Don't worry. So I dad. thought that was great. Um, <laughs> don't freak out, Dad. Yeah, don't freak out, Dad. Uh, but Gremlins was an immediate hit. That was a yes. that was a two days I in a row type deal. <laughs> I'm putting my foot down. Those God damn it! Gremlins is a lot. It's a lot of fun. I I did talk over the sequel. I did talk loudly over um, uh, what's her name? Now, of course, her name escapes. Yeah, I talked over the Santa Claus scene uh, uh, the yeah. first time, but then he heard it on the second time and didn't even care. So whatever, yeah. you know, cool. they all, you know, hey, just they like all, the movies, they all it's fake. Stuff. Fuck it. Yeah, right. it's fake. It's fake, Dad. So, 
all right, let me say quick up front, Mark Finney, Boston area filmmaker, um, writer, director of that film, Fat. Maybe you've seen it. It's on Amazon Prime, premiered at uh, TIFF a few years ago, Toronto Film Festival. Um, he was supposed to be with us, but apparently I failed in my responsibility to remind him yesterday of this. So he made other plans or some shit. I don't know. So um, it just doesn't feel just prepared. the three of us, dude. So well, we don't have a glad to be exciting. And we're talking about the we're talking about what good constitutes probably, you know, easily one of the, the best movies ever made. Absolutely. So uh it should should be a, a fun conversation. It's certainly my favorite movie of all time. These the uh uh the the Facebook uh thing, you know, has been going around over the last few days, which I have not started in yet, this uh top ten list, mm-hmm. you know, post your ten favorite movies. So uh, this would certainly be at the top of my personal list and has been for a very long time. Goodfellas is the film he's talking about. And yeah, that's a hard one to top, man. And if I remember right, I mean, I know it's like right up there with like Shawshank is the number one movie on IMDb or some shit out of all the movies, right? Um, I mean, Goodfellas is a masterpiece. It's just fucking flawless. So you, you can't gripe about anyone putting it number one, let alone in their top 10. Um, one of the running jokes of the show is that Chris and I can't pick a favorite movie, even though we ask people to come on with their favorite movies. Like <laughs> making a top ten is fucking harrowing to me. I don't know, man. It's oh god, oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's it, and it, and it's a fluid. I mean, that's like a fluid thing. It could change every day depending on the direction the wind is exactly. blowing. I mean, you know, a few years ago I did a thing where it was like a hundred movies I can't live without, and yes. it was it was hard enough to to come up with a hundred movies. Um so I'm not sure, you know. Uh for me, like a top ten list of ten, you know, if you were to pick ten movies that you loved, uh, it would be just that. It would just be ten movies that you could watch at any point, you know, in the day, you know, on any day of the week. And it wouldn't, you know, that you'd be completely fine with watching. I mean, that's how sort of I would look at trying to put together a list. I mean, it's like impossible to say what are the ten best movies of all time. Of course. Well, best and um, favorite is two different things too, because you might think there will be blood is the best movie, but you don't want to watch right. it every day. You don't want to take it, it to a desert correct. island. Correct. Yes. Know. Yes. The best and favorite thing has always been a big separate, just, just, you know, a distinct separation for me as well. Um, and I still don't, you know, the whole best thing. I mean, again, you know, this is art. This is movies. It's subjective. subjective what yeah. somebody loves, you know, somebody else is going to hate, and you know, um, it's just one of those. It's just one of those things. But um, anybody who uh, you know, who says that they, you know, in love cinema and, you know, respect cinema and, and, you know, could possibly talk ill of Goodfellas, they would have to have to, you know, have to have them get their head examined. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met a person who didn't like Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. And if I did, I'm sure it was like my mother-in-law or someone and we just never talked about it. <laughs> too you know many, many like, F-bombs or some stupid shit. Yeah. Man. I don't like all the cocaine and <laughs> murders. And shit. Like, bitch, that's the best part. I read a thing that? saying it had, I think, 300 and something F-bombs, variations of fuck, and Joe Pesci's character said half of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. Would not, would not be surprised. Tommy. When was the first time that you guys saw Goodfellas. I was just about to pose that question to you, actually. But uh, oh, shit, okay. Man. It's it's not. See, now it being your you... favorite movie, it's probably made you might remember that more. I don't know if I can remember the time, like you know, mm. Kennedy got mm. shot, nine eleven, shit. Um, I know. Yeah, I have it. it was... I have it like times, like I have it yeah. memory stamped, essentially. Well, and let me say too that I just do not remember my fucking life anymore. It's weird. It's <laughs> the problem. Like my wife has to 
tell me everything that happened to me in the last 10 years. I don't know if it's because I had chemo brain at some point, but I think a lot of it's just living with anxiety, doing too many drugs, uh, lack of sleep, the, all these things compounded. I just don't fucking remember my life. Now I can remember trivia and shit, but just my own life. No, uh, trivia is more important than here. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, um, Chris, it came out in 1990. So I was a junior in high school in Georgia and Jay and I did go to the theater once in a while, but not, not as fervently as we did in later times, I think. So I don't remember if issue I, and parents. And yeah. Stuff. And just access. Right. You know, but, um, I don't remember whether it was in the theater or where I saw it first, I but it like was it not long first. after it came out. Yeah. I mean, it was still relatively new, I think, you know, but I haven't seen it many times since maybe like three times, including last night and this morning, uh, in preparation for this. Uh, and yeah, every time it's just amazing. I, but I don't remember the first experience of watching it. Yeah, time. it wasn't it was uh, just loving it, you know. In that year, ninety, I remember Dances of Wolves was my shit. Like I remember looking forward to that movie. I remember, uh, you know, we always had this thing with native culture, and you know, or we're I've told this before in a podcast, I think. Um, but we were raised by our grandmother, always telling us that we were part Blackfoot Indian, so we had like this real connection to that shit. And then when I was in like fifth grade, we were living in the Philippines and or fourth grade. And I called her long distance because we were military brats. And I was like, so I'm doing this project on our family history. Can you fill us in on that Blackfoot Indian stuff? And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? We used to say all the time that we're Blackfoot Indian. I can vouch. And then she says, I used to just say that because y'all would run around barefoot in the yard. Yeah. You had dirty ass feet. It's like what? Uh, so my whole I was like some Elizabeth Warren shit. Like we grew up right. looking at our Pocahontas on. So Dances of Wolves was my jam that year. I remember, you know, just that was the movie I cared the most about and profoundly affected me and everything. And Goodfellas, we, I saw that in the theater like opening day. You know, Goodfellas came later, and maybe I didn't appreciate it for what it was at that age. And now Chris and I were at age five watching The Exorcist, fucking every slasher movie, even shit like the killing fields and shit you know i mean very adult films so it's not like it was too hard hitting for me or something i don't know i don't know it just didn't have the same effect on me but uh it's fucking amazing i mean it's i would say it's a better film probably than dances was i guess i mean it's you know what are you comparing that's apples and oranges for sure they're so wildly different but uh i don't know tell us about your first time watching it since it was so profound yeah, um, it, my dad uh, rented the tape for me. We rented the V. I, I was 10 <laughs> in 1990. So um, I did see Dances with Wolves. We, uh, my dad took me to see that in the theater. Um, so that was one of the first epics that I, I was probably the first full-blown, big-budget Hollywood epic movie mm-hmm. that I think I saw. Um, and um, it's funny. Um, I don't really know if I have actually revisited Dances with Wolves from start to finish since I saw it in the theater, Damn. like, like, and that was 30 years ago. And I know that I've seen it in bits and pieces and I've certainly seen large sections, you know, here and there throughout mm-hmm. the years. But, um, I have not seen that movie start to finish since the theater when I was 10. Um, and yet I remember so much of it. Um, Goodfellas, I saw when I was 13. Um, and it was like right when I was starting to really start taking 
notice of cinema as like, you know, what it could be and as an art form and, you know, always grew up watching movies as a kid, loved movies. Um, but, uh, that was definitely, um, you know, a moment for me in like my life where I saw a film and I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Well, just the virtuoso style of it. Yeah. Just, 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 you know, and, and like when you just, when you know that you want to sort of spend your life, like I've, you know, I've been involved in movies throughout my life, um, you know, since college and all the way up until now in one form or another, uh, whether or not it was a full-time job or not. So um, that was like the movie that sort of cemented for me, like, wow, okay. Um, You know, you can, you can do something with your life, you know, and, and have it be movies um, in some form. And, um, and it just blew me away. I mean, you know, I remember watching it in the basement of our house and um, you know, and my dad, like, you know, having my dad, having seen it and knowing what was going to come and, you know, not spoiling any of it for me and just letting it, you know, happen. And um, the biggest thing that I can remember about my first viewing of that movie was just how angry I was when Joe Pesci got killed. And um, because it was like this brilliant thing where like, you know, I was 13 and, you know, you're, you know, they make you care about a He makes you care about a killer for like yeah, even a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, when I was 13, I didn't, you know, I'm not mature enough fully to understand all of the complexities that's going on there. I was just, I was just fucking irritated that, you know, this, this character who, you know, I wouldn't say that I loved Pesci's character, but I was enamored with his character because mm-hmm. it's like the thrill. I mean, that movie is about the, it's about the rush of doing all these terrible things. It's part of the deal. So it kind of um, casts the I same spell on you that the mob wives are cast under. You know what I mean? Like it's you're yeah. almost like Lorraine Bracco, where you're like, oh my god, this guy's exactly. dangerous, and the allure of it. So you buy into Tommy big time. Exactly. Um, so um, when that happened, I was just like devastated. I was like, oh my god, like I can't believe they just killed him. And then, um, and over the over time, I've seen you know like why I would have felt that way, and you know I find it really interesting to to go back and think about when I first did watch that movie. But I mean, that was an instance where. I watched it and then the next day I watched it and then the next day I watched it and then we returned the videotape and we rented it again. And like, yes, it just, nice. you know, and then, it, and I just watched it repeatedly and ended up buying it. And, you know, um, Scorsese pretty much became my favorite filmmaker and, and, and outside of Tony Scott, um, you know, sort of has always been at the very top, you know, him and Tony Scott are like my two favorite filmmakers. And, um, you know, uh, it's just Goodfellas just exists on that, on that, you know, plane of just, it's like sublime. It's so, it's so entertaining. It's, it's just so full of itself. Um, and you know that when you're watching it, like that just, you know, I mean, not that you haven't seen this with other films that Scorsese's made, but when you watch it, you just get this sense that this is exactly what he wanted to do. And you're in um, the hands of a know, master. Making, for yes. sure. Exactly. Exactly. Well, f- and uh, I remember, and I, I did remember. have a chance to. Okay. Oh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I do remember being impacted by the freeze frames, the dolly zooms, yeah. all the tricks and shit. Exactly. You don't see. And he went full out, dude. I mean, yeah. he's everything. Oh, pretty yeah. Much. And, then, and, and, and at that period, like, you know, it was, I was 13 and I saw that. And then the next year, my dad took me to see Pulp Fiction and Natural Born Killers. And then the next year, my dad took me to see like films like Heat and Casino. And I was, you like, know, it was a goner, you know, like you're just like, yeah, yeah. Like you just see those movies when you're 13, 14, 15. 
Um, and I already had a huge obsession, um, you know, with Jerry Bruckheimer and Tony Scott and Ridley Scott. Um, you know, so I was really, really obsessed with Top Gun, Crimson Tide and Beverly Hills Cop and Alien and Blade Runner. And, you know, my dad took me to see Blade Runner when I was probably nine or 10. He took right. me to see it at a uh, Trinity College in Hartford, um, you know, this 70 millimeter screen. You know, unbelievable. One of the nicest movie theaters in Connecticut. We used to go there all the time and, you know, saw Taxi Driver and RoboCop and just, you know, un unbelievable classics, you know. Um, and it's cool. I, I was able to see Goodfellas once, too. I've only seen it once on the big screen. And I saw it in L.A. Um, and it was a, at a screening with Erwin Winkler where he did a Q&A nice. um, right after. And uh, and that was awesome. Um, it was really cool. So um, I, I can say that I did get a chance to see Goodfellas on the big screen once. Um, yeah. And that was hysterical because at that, you know, it was when I was living in LA and it's about, you know, it was like 2005, probably 2004, somewhere around there. And at that point, you know, you'd seen the movie hundreds of times. So, you know, you go to the theater to see a movie that you've seen a hundred times. And like, literally it felt like 30 seconds, you know, like mm -hmm. just like the movie was over. like, you know, the lights went down and then they were, they came up and the movie was over. <laughs> so, very, well, that very movie fun. has that brisk pace too. In it general, does. it just oh yeah, it grabs you by the lapels and just yanks your ass yeah. through it. Um, by the way, I just cracked a beer. We like to do that on the show. Toast to your pops. Oh, nice. All the parents who fucking take their kids to the right kind of movies at the right ages, love it. I mean, to instill that love of cinema in you as you're doing with your son. I'm trying to with my son, but we made the mistake of fucking introducing video games. Um, I know we haven't gotten, have a, yeah, you don't have a game system. Or I don't, whatever, yeah, so. I, I, you know, I never like, it's just like my parents were really big on movies. Um, I had a Nintendo and I had a super Nintendo and then I never had another console after super Nintendo and That's my crazy. video games, my video games were Mario and I played all of the NHL PA. I got like every season cause I was mm -hmm. big into hockey. Um, and then when I moved out to LA and I worked as a runner and a PA, my roommate had a PlayStation and we used to play Grand Theft Auto Vice City like every night. Right. Um, so that was, so that was for like two years straight. I would just take out all my aggression on everybody in <laughs> that and just like just slaughter totally. people. Um, so that was really where I like, it was like Mario hockey and GTA and that's it. <laughs> um, so my son has not experienced video games yet. Um, and I know I got to do something about that because I don't want him to be left behind and I don't want him to be ignorant about it. And, you know, friends will have video games and it's the problem is that video shit games is are going to be, a, and it's competition. It is crack. And that's like, the thing. Yeah. yeah it is yep. big competition it's very addictive. Movies. And I don't need just like, you know, we got a kid with an addictive personality already with the Legos and the, you know, mm -hmm. all the other stuff that we're doing now. So it's like, you got to choose these things and introduce them when they're at the right moment. Um, also, but yeah, he's, the Lego you talked about he's watched all the Lego Star Wars programming and shit. Those Lego Star Wars games, I've talked about this too on the podcast, those motherfuckers spoil the movies. We went to show him Star Wars movies and he's like, Darth Vader's his dad and shit. And uh fucking Kylo oh, Ren's gonna well, kill okay, oh, Han Solo and shit, because the fucking <laughs> stupid video games blow all the uh, yeah, yeah, they don't, so they your, don't kids, just, your kids haven't you haven't they haven't seen all the movies yet then. I just got the one kid, but yeah, but I'm saying we would go to oh, watch that, the movie. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, as we're yep. watching the movie, he's like, 
Kylo Ren's going to kill his dad, Han Solo. Because he's like, seen the Lego stuff before the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the game. Yeah. The game's fucking. Yeah. Because. On the games. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you got a game. Why don't you just make Star Wars, new Star Wars adventures? You don't have to yeah, rehash the movie direction. in the game and then blow yeah. the fucking. Because the movie or the Lego video game is more age appropriate, arguably, you know, to some kids, whatever. Um, than some of the movies might be, you know, Kylo Ren killing his fucking dad and shit. Some people might think that's a little advanced for a four-year-old or something, but they could play the video game. But no, the video game spoils the shit. It's terrible. Bad on yeah, you, Lego video game. We haven't haven't gotten into it yet, but it will at some point. You know, um, the movies and the TV shows, and my kid loves YouTube. You know, like he loves videos on that, and mm-hmm. we've sort of moved away from that. Like I was really big. Like we had a kid who's really into trucks, mm-hmm. so there was a lot of truck videos and truck this and that, mm-hmm. and wanting to watch, you know, digging and all of that shit, and uh, <laughs> and then that has, you know, sort of segued into the Lego stuff and. Um, but we we watched all the the Star Wars movies before he started to see any of the Lego uh-huh. stuff. Um, so it's sort of uh, you know he it's funny it's like he sees them like sort of riffing and making fun and of course at five you don't you know you don't get the irony or the satire but um, you know it's funny how they can go from the movies to the TV shows and sort of just like you know make the mental connections between everything. But um, you know I'm thinking when he's like twelve, you know thirteen, you know or next week we'll watch Goodfellas and we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what mom has to say. But <laughs> just don't let him play yeah, the Goodfellas Lego game. That's all. Goodfellas Lego game. And if you guys, uh, I'm looking at my copy, um, and I have yet I just got it. I've yet to to dive into it. Um, but uh, the book Made Men, the story of Goodfellas by the film critic Glenn oh. Kenny, um, is now available uh, in hard hardcover. Um, and that this just is came the out. yeah, it came out this year, um, and it is the you know the full on. I talked to Scorsese all the way down to the you know key grip, mm. and cool. you know it's like the whole deal about Goodfellas and. Um, I can't well, wait to read this. It was, yeah, I was going to say, it's one thing we it. love to do in these episodes, and, and these can wildly branch off into whatever. I mean, we ended up talking about aliens in the Inherit the Wind episode. And shit, so <laughs> they could go anywhere. Of course, that's what, that's, what, that's what movie maniacs do, of course. Yeah, of exactly. Course. Now, but we do love to dig into the lore of these films, and I got to admit, oh yeah, I don't recall hearing a ton of lore on this movie. It's just like a bunch of masters got together and made a movie. Yeah. I don't remember like Predator had so much crazy shit behind right. the scenes with McTiernan. Fight Club we just did. Tons of tapping trivia. And yeah, this, I, <laughs> you know? I try to do that. I'll scan the trivia about a movie, you know, before we talk about it if I get an opportunity. And and this one did seem to to kind of have a dearth of that compared to many of those other you know, uh, like, what's the fun Hollywood behind-the-scenes shit, the scandal? Yeah. I mean, there'd be things like they originally were going to cast so-and-so and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, nothing yeah, you know, and that noteworthy. I, I wonder what this book will detail about any of that because it is funny. It's like, you know, you just get the sense that when they made Goodfellas, all these amazing professionals got together and nobody yeah, fucked around and they made a great movie. And, and you're right. Like you don't, there has never been, you know, like with the Godfather, China, I mean, all these movies, you know, and they're going to, all these, all these movies where they're now going to make movies about the making of those movies. Right. right. Because there was so much, you know, brouhaha. But yeah, you're Brando right. It is funny. Fat in Apocalypse Now. All yeah. Time, you know? uh, exactly. So no, that, that is true. And, uh, and again, I, I, I think Eric that too, 
Right. You know, that, and <laughs> absolutely. And I, I think that part of that probably is that, you know, at the point where all of those guys were at their, in their careers, right. You know, yeah. like, you know, De Niro being cemented by that point, Rose. Scorsese having done all of the stuff in the seven. I mean, that was the first movie of the nineties that came out for Scorsese. Right. Right. So, um, and that was after some departures from, you know, I mean, last temptation yeah, of Christ after hours. Exactly. Weird yeah, shit the eighties were very, you know, I mean, I, you know, there isn't a Martin Scorsese movie I personally feel is bad. I think right. that they are, are all excellent in their King own way. Exactly. You know, the eighties were an eclectic time for him and, and had, you know, films of, of varying levels of success. And the King of comedy is like my number two or three of his films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, Goodfellas brings him back to that world that he sort of like started to get into early in the career. And then of course he goes and makes casino afterwards, um, which, you know, I personally think is just as good as Goodfellas. I know. And, 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 and you always had that classic, what's better. Or what do you like more casino and Goodfellas? And, yep. you know, for years it was like, I was a staunch it's Goodfellas only. I love casino, but don't even tell, you know, and, and like over the years, no, I realized casinos that, you know, fucking massive, casino is fucking like, it, it's well, just unbelievable. When you I talk mean, about Pink Scorsese and what he's doing with the camera and editing and everything, hmm. Casino might yeah. take it just level, with that yeah. montage style where mm-hmm. it's just all voiceover yeah. and just cinema, just images, boom, boom, yeah. boom, tracking shots. Casino has a rhythm. There's a real energy and rhythm to it that, um, you know, that he, <clears throat> you can definitely see it. It was something that started in Goodfellas and then mm-hmm. he maxed out on mm-hmm. it in, in, in Casino. So, um, but uh, yeah, Goodfellas, you're right. I mean, it's one of those movies that just, it was just made by professionals at the height of their, you know, their powers and the peak of their craft. And like you said, nobody, nobody farted around. They just made it. No scandals. Nobody died on no John Landis type shit going on. No, uh, I mean, the closest things you can come are just little tidbits of information. Like, you know, the book was wise guy. Mm-hmm. Or Wise Guys Wise by guys, Nicholas Pelagi, but that fucking Ken Wall TV show, Wise Guy or something, they couldn't name it, <laughs> that, so they named it Goodfellas. Yeah, you know. those um, Did you read the book, by the way, before, uh, before or after? Yes, I've read, Wise, I've read Wise Guy. I read the, the Casino. I read the, the Goodfellas book the, and that was based on. I read the Casino stuff. So oh, what, do you think about, long, what do you think about My Blue Heaven time. as a spiritual oh, yes. sequel to this? <laughs> Because Mike Blue Heaven and this also about Henry Hill, you know, essentially mm-hmm. during his time in the yeah, the my, program. my my Blue Heaven is super underrated, um, and it's yes. it's a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun to think Henry about. Hill didn't you like know, it. he <laughs> he, he good probably fellas, did he it. My Blue Heaven. <laughs> well, yeah, Goodfellas yeah, gets them laid. My Blue Heaven ain't yes, getting them laid. Right. <laughs> like, I don't really remember but much yes. of it. I've seen it, but I don't remember. My Blue Heaven, you and I talked for a while, yeah, I remember, remember about yeah. doing a dramatic remake of My Blue Heaven. Like, you could take yeah. My Blue Heaven scene for scene and just play it dramatic instead of comedic, and it would be dank as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I no, just don't remember it's, the um, details of the movie itself, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. what actually, how it went out. It, but. It's definitely fun, and, and it's fun to think of it as a shared universe with Goodfellas, or like that it's like an unofficial sequel or whatever you want. Um, you know, it's uh, because you know before <clears throat> before, of course, all that stuff took precedent with making movies, and you know how everybody thinks. So um, it's definitely definitely fun to have that little that little thought. Um, Herbert Ross, you know, it's like it's funny. You think about like you know he he made a lot of underrated movies. 
Um, you know, that's a, that's a filmmaker that doesn't get like any, any discussion. So maybe he would be made. Herbert Ross. He did like, I know, I know he did seven, seven 7% solution, which I love. Um, and he did pennies from heaven, which I love. Um, hold on. What did he do? Um, That's my internet being so fucking slow. Come on. He did Footloose. He did uh, Secret of My Success. He did Steel Magnolias. He did Ninjinsky. He did California Sweet. He did The Goodbye Girl. Right. He did Chapter Two. He did Funny Dude, Lady. There's so many, so many good filmmakers that just get forgotten. Yeah. And sometimes you totally. look at the I catalog mean, and you're like, whoa, he made these five fucking movies I saw in the 70s and eight or the 80s, I guess, you know, for us. But uh, films from the 70s and 80s. And, it's like uh, yeah. The last movie, last movie he did class. was was Boys on the Side in '95. You did Soap yeah, Dish. Did Barry Co- yeah. Yep. Did True Colors with John Cusack and James Spader. He's a, it was a good. He's a good filmmaker. I love Pennies from Heaven. That's a that's a classic that does not get any. You know, big bomb. Um, but I I think that movie. I mean, that's so a cool. great career as a director to make fifteen fucking feature films in the Hollywood system. I mean, you're Seriously. a powerhouse, and just no one. No one in any college is ever going to talk about this guy or film school or something, you know? And that's kind of yeah, the no, kind of a, career you want. Just a good working class, solid filmmaker who makes crowd pleasers, essentially, you know? When you when you guys think about Goodfellas, what is like, what's like the thing that, if there's not a scene that maybe is your favorite scene, what is it about Goodfellas that I that mean, is like sticks out to you? That is like the like thing, the reason why you love it. Yeah, well, I was just saying the scene that sticks out the most for me and probably a lot of people is Pesci, Tommy. You know, Do I amuse you like a clown? You know, how I'm funny? How yeah, then that whole, the shine but, um, box shit and uh, yeah, shit spider. spider. Yeah, uh, well, I was that though. Kind of uh, you know summarizes. A lot of the yeah. other parts of the film for too, me, that, like that is that they're laughing, but it's dangerous. Like yes. at any minute, he can just yes. turn on you, and you know. Uh, well, yeah, that's the problem is the spider kind of gets shot because of De Niro. De Niro mishandled right, his toll yeah. that is Tommy. I was like, thinking that as I watched. Like, yeah, Jimmy should have known you know better than to egg Tommy on. You know, the uh, the the <laughs> the tragic demise of Spider is uh, is definitely. Yeah, definitely up there for me. Um, it's, it's also to the re like Mike the reaction Mike. of everybody at the table after it yes. happens. Oh, you man, know, everybody's I'm not taking the fucking hole this time. You yeah, everybody's like, so everybody yeah. just sits there and nobody gets up. And, you know, they've just watched this maniac execute somebody. And they all know that they can't act they have to just act themselves. You know what I mean? Like regardless of whether or not they may have been scared yeah. or not, they have to be just pretend. Keep it's just, appearances sort of it's, it. yeah. Keep up, keep the appearance up. And it's, uh, it's like when, um, it's like when Joe Pesci whacks Samuel Jackson and Frankie Carbone yes. is making the coffee mm-hmm. and he's like holding the mug and he's holding, he's like, he's like looking at it, like, look at this maniac. Like, and, and then Joe Pesci's like, what are you making that coffee to go? You know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just he's he's just stunned, you know. And I think that's one of the things that has always grabbed me about Goodfellas is that people act in that movie, and then they, you know, just it's like part of it's the code. 
that they live by yeah. the power structure and the hierarchy. They know that Tommy, like Henry Hill said, I can't be a made guy like Tommy can because he's full Italian or whatever. So it's like there's this always this power structure at play, and you better not fuck with Tommy because he's going places. And you know what I mean? It's like uh, not not just that he's a psychopath, but also that he's going to outrank you one day, et cetera. He's a favorite son, you know, just because he's born into it in a way. Um, well, for me, one of the things I love about this film is that turn it takes into the drug shit. How Paul Sorvino, Paulie fucking warns him, don't fuck with this drug shit. You know, I don't want to die in prison 70 years old. Like, what's his name? And then the film takes that turn and it goes full bore, cokehead, fucking madness, the helicopter fucking sequence. I mean, yeah, dude, paranoia. That mm. shit is yeah, amazing. And well, that that one scene where Lorraine Bracco's uh, Karen, she's um, with you know uh, De Niro, um, and he's saying, "I got some dresses for you. Just go down the street, down down you know that that alley." Yeah, it's chilling. The tension as she turns back and just the look on his face, it just it seems. Dude, it's up there with Drea and Sopranos type shit. Yes, and she just bails yes. like, "Yeah, I'm out of here." Like yeah. Yeah, that. It's a very, was, it's a very eerie shot down that, mm-hmm. down that, uh, yeah, that alley, back, you know, yeah, when you think, like, just go down there, just go down there. Uh, and it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, it's definitely, definitely. It's almost nauseating. And I think that, like, yes. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is nauseating. <laughs> um, and I, and I think that like, I think that one of the, one of the best things about Goodfellas, right. Is that like so many people have obviously been inspired by Goodfellas and, have emulated it and whatever right and no one has mm-hmm. ever even come close no way to no way. Do you know what i mean like like other people have made great movies that have been copied and knocked off and ripped off and people have done like really good jobs of that kind of thing and we could spend an hour talking about what those examples are but like no one has ever been able to make another gangster movie that's quite like goodfellas the closest might be for- tv sopranos and it has yeah. a lot of connected connective tissue with this movie, like things I didn't even realize until watching it again now that it was Lorraine Bracco. Like I had seen the movie before and then seeing Sopranos, she plays the therapist. And it was only watching Goodfellas after having seen her play the therapist that I really realized it was her. Like I didn't have enough awareness to, when I watched Sopranos to know that it was the same actress. But um, but yeah, oh. that... that uh, that uh, you know and uh what's his name frank vincent and you know there's uh, a few other yes. people who who were in uh you know put to use to great use in sopranos but like it's like you were saying about um being pissed off that pesci's character was killed off that um that you found him so endearing even though he was a monster and that's the that's true with the sopranos too that absolutely Polly and, and uh and tony of course you, uh, of course yeah making making you care about about terrible people so yes yeah. um and just the life what it's like you know the kind of power it comes with but also all the shit you have to do that, well, that's the that, thing they're born into being terrible people to a degree yes, to a degree right. because Somewhat, yeah henry hill obviously his parents were working class and he had the allure of the fucking mm-hmm. across the street he went for it you know so uh you don't give him a free pass morally and shit on some of this but uh it, it is there and it is like like they said, like um, Karen says, she buys into it that he was entrepreneurial while all these other dudes are sitting on their ass. He's out there hustling, trying to make money, trying to make a better life for himself, trying to get rich. It is the American dream to a degree. It's Scarface, you know. The American dream isn't necessary, especially once you realize the American dream is kind of bullshit and there is not the upward mobility that everyone talks about. 
that just watch American Dream is go take the shit, you know, yeah. outlaws, fucking the great train robbery, obviously, which is alluded to in this. Um, I did see Scorsese said he had watched the great train <laughs> robbery and he's like, this is the great train robbery. It's the exact same story. When you watch the great train robbery, it's about these outlaws who pull this heist and then they start killing each other and then everyone's in jail or dead at the end. And he's like, that's what the fuck Goodfellas is. And that's why he put that shot in at the end as an homage to the great train robbery. Do you ever see Henry Hill on Howard Stern? He was a regular on there. <laughs> yes. I I never did. Yeah, check out some of the YouTube videos. It's it's uh, fascinating. I mean, he he's like became total drunk, severely alcoholic. Yeah, he's just drunk out of his head sometimes, and he caught in a lot. But he's been physically in the studio too, and he they, uh, you know people from his past life would call and be like, "You're a fucking rat. You're gonna fucking get it," and shit like that too. I don't know how much of a put on this shit is, but I got the sense it might be real. Can you imagine where uh, he he's still alive right now, right? I think he died just a couple of years ago, didn't he? Oh, I, I you know, it's a, no, yeah, I think he did die. You're right. Yeah, yeah, he died. Yeah, he died eight, uh, yeah, he died eight years ago. Wow, yeah, oh, he sure. did die a while ago. Did you hear, back. like, yeah, Sammy the Bull, Gravano, or whatever, has a podcast and shit now? Like, it's so weird that some of these guys who are in witness Mike Francis was or... part of this whole scene. I think he was mentioned in the movie, and he's all over the place. Like, Sammy the Bull. That's a fucking Sammy podcast. the Bull. Yes. But, yeah, it's crazy. It's just... But like, wait, and that guy's in no witness protection. He was for yeah, years. Yeah, that's what that's what blew my mind about Henry Hill too, going on Stern and stuff. Like, man, he's supposed to be in the witness, you know. But eventually, they just get sick of it. They're just but like, yeah, they want to claim what they did too. They're like, man, I lived. Yeah, a huge, crazy, they want that awesome notoriety. Not be some schmuck living in Arizona, mm-hmm. you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I see right here. This is like, yeah, this is a story a uh, lot yesterday. Oh, what is it? it just says this is insane. One time Gambino crime family executioner Sammy the Bull Gravano's new podcast arrives with a bang this week. The yeah. former underboss to John Gotti he premieres his new venture yeah. Wednesday, the 35th anniversary of the holiday season mob hit on family boss Paul Castellano outside yes. Sparks Steakhouse in Midtown. That photo, famous man. photographs, yes. Yeah. Dude, it's amazing. On the debut episode, Gravano dishes on a proposed plot to personally whack another boss. Genovese had Vincent the Chin Gigante. I got to listen to this shit. One of, one of my guys says, You got to sit down with your kid. Do you introduce your kid to this podcast. He's going to do a podcast and talk about all the people that he murdered, and he's yes. not going to get in trouble for it. It's dude, he's yeah, already had immunity understand. and all that shit i think you know do they just think maybe everyone's too old and doesn't give a fuck anymore they're all just in fucking you know retirement basically and it's crazy maybe they just feel like there's no more who's produced like this has to be like (laughs) like some like he isn't just doing this like someone must be producing this and making it professional and profiting off of this guy yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people who do uh, just directly make their own show now, but um, but I I, I think you might be right. Oh, man, like it's the new racket. Patreon's the new racket, right? Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah. This this guy this guy does. I mean, anything's possible. This guy does yeah, yeah, yeah. not look like the kind of guy who knows how to set up a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure he's got <laughs> pictures. Yeah. But I just meant in terms of not hands in his pockets. <laughs> what? I just meant in terms of hands in his pockets, like how much. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, he might have found a young Jamie on the internet much. or some shit. Wow. His nephew came to him. You should have a podcast, Uncle fucking Sammy. You know? Right. Oh, no. It says it says right here, according to Gravano, future episodes will delve deeply into his life of crime, 
and rise to the rank of underboss, the Bensonhurst native plans to discuss everything from his early days in organized crime to his decision to turn government witness and his new life in Arizona. Sounds right, compelling. Give me a well, second. I'm subscribing an, to this right now. <laughs> this is an right. Apple. This is an Apple podcast. Strange times. <laughs> We're in, man. Confess. It says here, the Apple podcast extends Gravano's social media presence. The confessed killer of 19 is already out and about on Facebook and Instagram. Right. <laughs> the, it's like natural what? born killers type shit. But with, uh, it's like, it's like uh, old dogs meets natural born killers or some shit. Like, it's hilarious. This Trumpy is too weird. It so is. this guy, so this guy, this guy doesn't go to jail for all that because he uh, ratted on he people. Made one deal, right? Because yeah, it's so strange. The kind of bargains they make with these guys, and, so, and someone's going to get arrested in, in in an hour for smoking a joint somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. So, does seem very interesting. You know, interesting. Essentially, profiting off his crimes, you know. Exactly. Yeah, oh, this is nuts. I can't. I, I can't believe that someone's giving this guy. Well, now you I can't believe that someone is giving this guy a, a platform. Cancel him, man. Go on Twitter. Cancel him. <laughs> yeah, he's done. He's done. I just can't believe Hashtag. this. Like it's so wild. Seventy, seventy-five years old. I'm gonna listen to this shit. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was gonna say. I'm yeah, gonna it's say. probably gonna be. It's probably gonna I'll be unbelievable. Us. Yeah. So, not Sounds donate amazing. to his Patreon, but I'll patronize it. And hopefully he is a trailblazer and just more fucking old crazy bastards come out yeah, of the woodworks I know. telling I mean, their stories and shit. Because I mean, that's really what you want is just old men telling stories around the campfire, recounting the crazy, whether it's true or not, even, you know, fishtails, Paul Bunyan tall tales and shit. Um, I mean, his... <laughs> have you guys... Have you guys seen this new, um, while we're on the subject of gangster movies, have you guys seen the new uh, Godfather 3 recut? No, but I want to, and I heard it's good. Yeah, everybody's saying it's good. I haven't haven't seen the recut, and I've never seen Godfather Part 3 at all. Oh, shit. I saw it not long ago. I actually never watched it most of my life, and I just saw it maybe like three years ago, or shit, maybe eight, like this other, like like shit goes by so fast, but... Um, but I actually knew I was aware of all the hate. I didn't hate it that much. I actually kind of yep. dug it. The, the a lot of people shit on Sofia stuff. Coppola for not being yeah. a great yep. actor. I, you know. I still haven't, you know, I, again, it was a movie that came out. Like when did that come out? 90, when did Godfather 3? I don't remember. Early nineties, I think, right? Or yeah. Maybe. Like, so, you know, I was just getting into film and I hadn't seen either Godfathers yet. You know, I saw the I saw the Godfather actually not long after Goodfellas. My dad ended up getting Godfather and mm-hmm. Godfather Two, and my dad wasn't a, must not have been a fan of the third one because it, it was, was never something that we watched. <laughs> you know, we never watched it together. And then just over the years, it was just one of those. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Yep. But, yeah. Uh, um, wait, when did it come out? 90, same, year. same year as Goodfellas. Yeah. So it probably also suffered by comparison. I yes, mean, if yes. you're going to see a gangster movie in 90, it ain't fucking Godfather 3. The Godfather, wait a minute. That's what the website tells Godfather me. Part December. 3 came out in, in 1990? Yes. December 25th, according to Wikipedia, 1990. When did you think it came out? I thought it was like 93 or something. So so that means that the Godfather and, the, and Goodfellas were up against each other at that right. Year's Oscars. And Godfather Three got oh, yeah. smoked. 
I mean, I don't know if yeah, Godfather Three even got for nominated like, it, for anything. Yeah, it was nominated for a lot of stuff, and then it didn't win anything. But wow! So I didn't realize that Scorsese and Co- and Coppola yeah, were up against each other. So it was almost like, you know, it's funny. It's like everybody always says, "Goodfellas versus Dances with Wolves," right? Well, like the two gangster movies canceled each other out. And that also helped Dances with Wolves. That's I mean, like, why didn't anybody ever say that? Was Godfather 3 nominated for much? It had to have been. Good question. Maybe. I don't know, man. It was pretty universal. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Here's a good question uh, for you. What is your favorite, favorite non-Scorsese mob movie? The King of Comedy. No, no. Favorite non-Scorsese mob movie. Oh, non. Oh, 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 I thought you. I, oh, oh, non mob. I thought you said non mob Scorsese movie. Um, my favorite uh, mob movie not made by Scorsese. Um, mm-hmm. that's a that's a good question. Um, when you start thinking about it, what what are the options you got? Godfather's one and two, of course. The Godfather yeah. flicks. Um, uh, yeah, I love you know, love King Godfather one and two. Yep, big fan What's of fun? big What's fan of um Ooh. big fan of Untouchables. I uh, love Brian De Palma. Um, Donnie Brasco, that kind of oh, Donnie Brasco, back. I love. Like Donnie Brasco is great. You know, I'm a big fan. Uh, uh, you know, it gets a you know it gets a very mixed reception, and you know, right now, you know, Johnny Depp, you know, is is you know, I mean, nobody likes him now anymore. Of course, um, I love Public Enemies. Yeah, um, good film. I'm yeah. trying to. I think it's so well, underrated. Mass, too, um, uh, where he played Whitey Bulger, was, he was pretty yeah. chilling in that. Yeah. Um, Road to Perdition. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know if that's a mob. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a mob movie. It's got mob elements. Love Road to Perdition. Big fan of that one. Um, Donnie Brasco is great. Donnie Brasco is one of. Um, that might be it. That's Just so character driven. So yeah, good. it's it's it, and and it's like a British guy, you know, like do direct. Mm-hmm. It's like Mike mm-hmm. Newell directing a down and dirty New York period thing, and he got such a great turn from um, from Pacino. I mean, some of just, Depp's yeah, best work. It's like a, you um, know, it's some, yeah, you know, yeah, like Stephen Depp, King. Yep. Stephen King's best shit is his non supernatural shit. I feel like that about Johnny Depp. That some of his best performances yeah. oh, yeah. are not yeah. outlandish. When Depp plays a real human being, yeah. When he plays a real human being, he's always, I think, far more enjoyable. Yeah, Gilbert I mean, Grape, you know, shit like that. Uh, and Anne Hirsch was great too. Yeah, Bronx Tale's good. Yeah, Bronx Tale's a great film. Um, you know, L.A. Con- L.A. Confidential is more of like a like a mm, sort of mob, not really more of, a, more of like a, a noir, it's not my mob movie, but um, Bronx Tale definitely. Um, uh, you, know, I, you know, that, Irish, right? you know, I didn't, I didn't love the Irishman as much as everybody else did, but the Irishman certainly, you know, very accomplished Hoffa, uh, which I think uh, is yeah. underrated. Danny DeVito's. Totally. Um, Danny DeVito directed Hoffa, which is amazing. Yeah. Oh, uh, um, Bugsy Warren. Oh, that's a good. Well, oh yeah. Um, well, I was Bugsy. Bugsy. Want to talk about? Uh, I'd be curious about to talk about the Irishman for a second, if you're interested, since you just touched on it. Yeah, um, yeah, the 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 Irishman definitely. I mean, um, I just didn't like the CGI shit. The CGI Sam, masks, they, they, the CGI I masks bothered me. Um, I, I, they I would prefer me. just different actors. Yeah, yeah. Here, just, here's what I said about Godfather Two, right? Godfather Two. De Niro himself yeah. played a younger yes, Brando. Right. You don't slap a face on old Brando and make him because yeah. he moved like an old ass De Niro, an old man with his younger face. It was so weird and gross. But, but, it was but weird. Just, I didn't. 
just for a couple moments though in um it, it, like uh oh my god why is the name escaping me jesus help me out what is the the movie we're talking about Dyersman. yeah sorry I, I kept saying wanting to say the untouchables and all these other movie names but anyway um there are a couple moments in it though like the drive to the murder you know the the there was fish in the back seat so he's like i'm not sitting back there or whatever you know and like <laughs> just that kind those details oh, um when it when he said his lawyer was killed and he goes who got him <laughs> his lawyer died he said who got him he's like if they oh, just cast a younger guy to play younger De Niro, probably yeah that's fucking amazing yeah him uh, when he was beating the dude up on the curb it just looked awful it just no, it was, uh, it was yeah. like an old dude trying to kick someone can't understand why they did that you know it's like he did all these other stuff and um and i like the film a lot i've only seen it once um i I didn't have this like it was weird like um you know know, i think that a lot of it too is that it's about resigning yourself to death and the end of your life and like you fit you failed everybody and you know like i i think that just by design um at least for me um, it doesn't invite the same level of, you know, re- you know, rewatch factor, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm not like, Oh, I need to rewatch that it's movie all the time. Um, but there's so many great scenes in it. And it's one of those things where like, you want to go back and see it again, even when yeah. you just think about it, because there's so many great individual scenes and moments and lines and, you know, um, just the way that, you know, Pesci got him. He was so good. It was so nice to see him back, yeah. you know, in a, in a movie a again, a big movie type of character too. Like, yeah. And playing a different character. And, and it's like the reverse of, I mean, like, you know, that's the reverse of casino and Goodfellas. Like if that was the thrill and the sexiness and the excitement of doing that, I mean, you know, the Irishman is all about, you know, just, you know, how much of a piece of shit have you been throughout your life mm-hmm. and how many people have you fucked over and killed and, and you just know, lunch failing it, you know, it's like lunch yeah, failing, exactly. just atrocity and shit. Like, mm-hmm. Here's a question. I still wonder what, I still wonder what, because, you know, they were going to make this movie so many times. They were going to make right. The Irishman so many times. And I still wish that uh, Michael Mann had made it when he was going to, when it was called, yeah. um, I paint houses yes, and, right. you know, he was yeah. going to do, he was, you know, it was, Great. he had the cast, mostly the same cast that. Scorsese had, um, and again, not taking anything away from from what Scorsese did, just would have been curious to see what Michael Mann would have done with the you know similar material or Michael almost Mann's the same script or whatever. Mm-hmm. It'd be yeah. yeah. Well, here's a question I was going to ask. I don't know how much time we have left. You know, this thing's a ticking time bomb. Could go off in any minute. But uh, yeah, Scorsese... it seems like we're about like probably three or four minutes away from that thing going off. So all right, well, let's talk about Scorsese and his comments about Marvel and whether or not they qualify as cinema and how CGI plays into that because to me, his use of CGI in the Irishman, you could argue, isn't as either. You know what I mean? Cinema is all about the sleight yeah. of hand, the trick, uh, pulling pull off the illusion through practical effects and everything. That to me is true cinema. CGI is always a bullshit cheat code, you know? So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of hypocrisy on his part there, but I'm just curious what you think about his comments about Marvel movies yeah. and what you think about Marvel movies and shit in general, you know? Um, I have a very, I have, you know, complicated feelings about the Marvelization of, of cinema. Um, I think that what they did as a company is astounding. I think that just the, the, the overall vision that those guys had to create all of those standalone films to then, you know, be bridged into team ups and then have all of these things. And it's just, it's an unbelievable 
thing that they've done in terms of creating this this mass extended world of films. Um, you know, I have a five year old now who's getting excited about all this stuff. Um, I I enjoyed like Marvel Phase One, and then I sort of just was like, all right, I'm done. And um, I have not seen a vast majority of the recent releases. Um, I will now, of course, see them because I have a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't begrudge anyone from wanting to see superhero movies. Um, escapism and entertainment is always what cinema is. You know, cinema has always been built upon the foundation of take you to a different place and see yeah. things you never see and have entertainment. Um, Scorsese's comments, I thought, him. were go ahead. Yeah, his, his comments were a little misguided. I mean. Um, he's an, he's the old guard. He doesn't want to see every third movie be a comic book movie, which I get, um, you know, he's watched the studios shy away. And again, he's Scorsese, so he can get pretty much anything made that he wants. Right. So like, why would you bitch at all? But, um, you know, I also think it, it was also during the Irishman stuff, you know, uh, it was these comments I think were taken maybe not fully out of context, but they were, made during Irishman press. And I think it was an easy swipe for him. And, um, and again, listen, like it's an easy, what's, what's easier to knock, you know, great success. Marvel has had nothing but great success. Uh, people bitch and moan about their movies and they sit down and watch them and then they enjoy them. I and think that's the other thing what too. he's but, getting at is the lack of risk you know? taking. I think he, and he yeah, but the lack of it, absolutely. Form, you know, that's I think his great, yeah, which and, is valid. And I but, agree. And well, I but there's 31 flavors of cinema. You know, like like you yeah. can have well, that's that's Marvel, saying, and then you is, yeah, is, and then is you can that have these your are like amusement park rides versus mm-hmm. other movies more like his, which are meant to be more like almost literary or something. You know, but of course, and listen, for distinction. Scorsese puts his names on films like a field in England by Ben Wheatley. And, you know, he champions enter the void and he champions, you know, any number of films that, you know, do, um, you know, they do have something to say about the language of cinema and advancing the art form. Um, And there's always going to be those filmmakers who are going to be out there breaking rules and, taking chances and, Here's the and question. not taking how awesome would it be though to get a marvel movie by gaspar noe or something you know what i mean like why oh, yeah. don't we Where someday really go well, there and just yeah, i wish they would it. you know they they marvel likes to hire the independent but they like to hire the young independent darlings who have hit it big at sundance and on the indies and then they right. can get them for a song and then those those folks will you know they're happy to get the work. They will take the notes from the studio. They'll still bring their personality to it. Uh, and then like, basically they're getting, you know, those movies is like a launching pad to their careers. So that's kind of cool too. The Russo brothers started with like, welcome to Collinwood and um, yes. John Watts and with, with a car. Yep. And, uh, James yep. Gunn obviously was slither and shit like that. And they go on to make exactly. Marvel and movies. now, and now look, I mean, uh, the Russos, they didn't direct it, but they just produced this kick-ass movie. I watched a little while ago called Mos- uh, Mosul, mm, uh, which yeah, is on Netflix right now. It's, it's very ass kicking. Um, you know, and they, they, they produce that, um, you know, like Matthew Michael Carnahan really knocked that one out of the park. I thought very intense movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marvel serves as a, as a big thing for a lot of people. And, um, and, uh, you know, so my whole feeling on it is it's not going away. Uh, I'm disappointed that the studios have shied away from more adult 
filmmaking. I'm happy that the streaming outlets, Amazon, um, Netflix, you know, Apple to a lesser degree, but probably coming up more, um, that they're getting, you know, in the business of making the movies that the studios have sort of fallen off on making. Um, to a degree, yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, to, to a degree. Like, I see you um, were a programmer a lot when you post about some of these, like a Jack yeah. type movie or whatever. You don't yes. see too many of those. I miss good. those movies, though. But this, like, this I miss basic those instinct. Movies. Is Netflix going to make a basic Correct. instinct? No, you know. So not maybe, maybe not, you know, Netflix will make almost any, like if any Netflix will say yes to anybody who has a name that walks in there. So you could, if Paul Verhoeven walked into Netflix and was like, I have basic instinct, they'll say yes. Yeah, true. Possibly. They're going to say yes. They're going to say yes. Hey, streamers, what do you think of this whole Warner brothers, HBO max shit and the future of theaters in the age of COVID and uh, also Christopher. Nolan. We were headed there. We were, we were headed, we were headed in this direction. COVID has has shown uh, the vulner the vulnerability and it has accelerated it. Um, I'm looking forward personally to going back to movie theater when the time is right and I feel comfortable and safe to do that. You know, I you know I, I'm so beyond annoyed that I can't go to the theater with my kid. Um, you know, we've been just getting into going to the movies and then it got taken away, uh, which is annoying. Um, but right now, everybody needs to stay safe and we need to turn the corner and get people. You know to a point where we can start to feel like we're back. You know, I don't even know what the old way is or what that is even going to be like when that happens. Um, Home but, uh, we were, we were headed this, we were headed in this right. direction. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see more people follow suit. Um, you know, um, the, the filmmakers out there whining about, uh, their movies going to streaming. Um, just be lucky that you're getting a chance to get paid $20 million to make a movie. Like yeah. I mean, you know a I mean? lot of them like are losing out. If the deals uh, are back end heavy, they're losing out for sure on box off bonuses and all that kind of shit. Um, I think Christopher Nolan's interesting because I feel like he kind of forced their hand. He insisted instead of tenant yeah. being held back, he insisted it come out now during COVID. So then it underperformed. So then fucking Warner mm-hmm. brothers is like, we can't keep putting movies out like tenant that fucking tank so we're gonna go to streaming and make this deal with hbo plus exactly the whole at&t of it all and this conglomerate of course and and it's for and and it's for a year but but what'll happen is this is that well here's the thing we don't know what's gonna happen but when movie theaters do open up and 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 they say okay we are ready for people to come back in mass let's see that happen and when when will that happen so from a business standpoint I don't want to sit on my product and keep paying the interest on it and losing right. money on it, you know? So if and, I have to put out yeah. my, so if I got to spend a year and a half or two years in these experimental woods where we don't quite know what we're putting out and how people are going to see it. Sorry. Hey, there's been a phrase I've been saying all year. It is what it is. Yeah. So I have this mentality where it's kind of like cry me a river, Christopher Nolan that, you know, uh, your movie didn't come, you know, like I've interviewed Christopher Nolan twice. He's awesome. I love him. His movies are great. Getting a chance to talk to him has been a trip and a half, but come on, dude. Like, you know, like who fucking cares? Like, it's just another right. movie. I mean, talk about first you know, world like problems. He's one of those exactly. people that think that they're, I mean, and I don't disagree completely, but that there's a sanctity to the theater experience, but Chris yep. and I have talked about this before too, though. That's only, in part because of traditionalism if uh-huh. everyone had Correct. access to a big ass flat screen tv and surround sound in their house in the 1920s when theaters have ever existed you know 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if everyone would want to go hear everyone else cough and crinkle their fucking rap. Yes. That's the other to thing, me, it's too. It's far like, more about the story and the film itself yep. than it is about being I will wanna, by a bunch of strangers while I watch it. I will want to go back to the movie theater primarily for one big reason, and that's to do it with my son and to have fun and to, to do those kinds of things. Um, it's nice because it's like I'm a church very, where you go to focus. You yeah. know, it's like there is yeah. no video you have a common interest. Um, phone ringing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I spent, you know, 20 years of my life, you know, 25 years of my life in a movie theater. So it's like, I know what that experience is like. And, you know, um, I'm very.